0: Welcome again to Touch Heaven this morning, and those of you who are online, those of you who are in bed, hope you're resting well, and uh, take a bathroom break, wake up, get involved with us. Wherever you're at, thank you for being with us. Those who watch later, thank you so much. I want to uh, welcome you wherever you are. Let me uh, speak back to the Feast of Tabernacles celebration, which is... (laughs) It's not really Sukkot at that time. It's actually the first days today. Tonight's the night. But it's okay. We can, uh, we can reach out to it and do a mini feast. And we've been involved with the ICEJ since 1984. And so it's wonderful that they're coming back to this area. We've had them here before. And it's wonderful that a sister church, Pleasant Valley, many people whom we love dearly, uh, good friends, old friends, some new friends uh, are hosting that and we're honored to be part of that with them. How many of you um, think at this moment while you're here that that's something you would like to go to? What is that date again? November 4th. Is that a Friday? Yes, Friday night and Saturday November 4th, if you you put your hand up let me see. Okay, Um, what I'd like you to do, if we could have a a sign up sheet outside uh, just over there in our welcome area. When you are leaving today, what I'd like you to do is to put your name down and sign it. We are, uh, we're gonna help support this. You know, it's one thing people support it and say, oh, that's wonderful, it's what you do. We've been there and done that, right? And uh, we've, we've seen that the Lord will move upon a few hearts and he may not move on many hearts sometimes to help do it. Uh, this is a costly thing for the people that come from wherever they're coming from as part of the feast group. And then it's costly for the church at Pleasant Valley. And um, it means a lot to me because, and I'm going to share with you intimately, and I have no problem sharing it with my friends at Pleasant Valley. But when I first came to the Lord, there was a Bible teacher there who was sowing anti-Semitism. And he basically was teaching and preaching the replacement of Israel and the Jews. And he was using the teachings of uh, Malcolm Smith, who was a tremendous kingdom teacher, but had it all wrong when it came down to the fact that Israel and the Jews were displaced and replaced and no longer had any promises of God. Basically, he was canceling my ministry call, which was to save my people. So it was grabbing me right by the throat. I opposed it. It became very difficult in the church, it became a schism, it became a division. Eventually he was displaced and the church repented. And it found its way to the point that the pastor that got fired there, we got him placed as the, as the uh, chaplain for the ICJ in Israel and he's still today, Ed Smelser, a dear friend and a proponent for Israel all over the world. Very pivotal place for me. I find it seeing it full circle that now the Lord has allowed me to share with them about beloved Yisrael in a deeper sense, in a sense that they felt led to bring them. How many of you know that, you know, the eternal treasures of God in heaven cannot be displaced? So we're gonna support it. We're not gonna support it just with our words and not just by our participation. We're gonna support it with some funds. So I'd like you to put your name down. I'm not asking you for money. You know, I only take the tithe. What I'm saying to you is is we're going to take those names and we're going to sow and pay for you to go. Now, if you want to do something else here or do something there with a special offering, that is yours to decide. But this congregation, this church, Touch Heaven Ministry is going to sow into that church and into that ministry for what God has done and is about to do with them for the kingdom of God. Amen? So, I would like you to sign your names. Will you do that? And uh, if you were saying you didn't think if you could go because you were holding back a little bit about the money, don't worry about it. How many of you know how many times we've had events here and we start the charge and then we just say, forget it? And we open the doors and they get flooded and we're blessed, right? Um, that when God blesses, we want to be part of that. So, please do that. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word of the Lord. I thank you, Lord. That through this servant you help me to bring forth those jewels from heaven today, literally, favor from heaven, Lord, hyper, sonic, supernatural, favor from heaven to plant into this house, into these your people, and all that are going to eat with us. Father, let your glory and your glory alone be served. Help our eyes to open up and take us to that realm and that dimension, Father, where we do not have limits. Let us be limitless in the potential and the reality of what you have for us this morning. To you and to you alone be the glory in Jesus name. Amen. 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 I've been off and on touching on the basis of the favor of God and we've gone very deep. We've gone through all kinds of places with it. This is an extension of that with an exclamation point. And what I've written to you is that the, the believer plants, that's you, you sow something. It might be tangible. Could be money. It could be a gift. It could be something that you do for somebody else that's material, right? Or it could be intangible. It could be a blessing. It could be a prayer. It could be a sacrifice. It could be something that's hidden, that has no measure on it, that only you and the Lord know about. It could be a quantity of something. It could be a single seed of something. But then something happens. Because kingdom ground, which is sown into by the believer, is a hyper, fertile, supernatural soil. It's not the same as soil that has not been fertilized supernaturally by the kingdom of God and faith. And in that place, there's a promise. It comes out of Amos. We'll touch it in a moment. The harvest overtakes the planter. And I wrote that your future leaps the present. I once heard something done by Kim Clement. How many of you remember Kim? He's with the Lord. We never got to know each other well, but we had respect for one another. And of course, I love the way he he was able to prophesy and play, sort of enjoy that myself. Maybe not to that caliber, I wouldn't dare say that. But he he wrote something once, and it sort of went like this. I'm going back to my future, and I look much better than I do right now. I'm going back to my future. I could almost do it with a little bit of dance, and I look much better than I look right now. I'm going back to my future, and I look much better than I look right now. And I didn't quite understand it. The first time I heard it, I said, hey, back to the future, you know, I'm thinking about the movie, Back to the Future. Get in a DeLorean and <laughs> you gotta hit the clock right when it hits noon and off, off 12 and off you go. Going back to the future, but it's scriptural. It's scriptural, it's more scriptural that the future will overtake the present reality. And you know that I always suggest that you and I make sure everything has a scriptural basis. If not, we get off into our own philosophies and our own gospel according to ourselves instead of His gospel. The Word of God is a firm foundation, right? And we build upon that. And we look for fresh revelation out of that firm foundation and we look to continue to build and build and build, never satisfied that we've constructed all the way. And that's what part of this is. And the person of faith, when the future leaps the present, becomes aware that they're not just living within the limits of reality, but are released into a limitless realm of your potential and your sowing. There's a limitless realm that we must cross. Let's phrase that and frame it with this. Remember when Jesus was teaching his disciples how they ought to pray? And there was one point of it that I'm sure they didn't quite understand, but they prayed it anyway, and it's prayed quite often in many different faiths, Christian faiths, you know, thy Father, thy kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Earth, the present reality, heaven, an eternal dimension. Heaven, a completely different realm of faith than the realm of faith here on earth. Heaven, which is limitless, being prayed into an environment that has limitations. Something that is supernatural being prayed into the natural. So we know it's possible. That's my point. Because Jesus said to do it. He wouldn't tell us to do something here on earth unless it was possible, but more so unless it had meaning. It's meaningful. Let thy kingdom come here on earth even as it is in heaven. Oh my God. Can you imagine that? I mean, you need to stop for a moment and to now begin to walk in the Spirit. Let's walk in the Spirit together. Let's set aside objectivity Let's set aside those things that are framed experientially. We don't want to be those who are being taught and led by our experiences only because they'll take us to the wrong place. We certainly don't want to be driven by our emotions. Emotions are good. We're allowed to be happy, we're to mourn. There's a time for each. But at the same time, those aren't the things that frame us. What frames us is the real truth in heaven. That's where real truth is. Sort of reminds you of that pitiful moment in Pontius Pilate. What is truth? Washing his hands. What is truth? I could just see him so nervous and so conflicted and so gone. And, and, he's, and he's asking a question, a question that is for all ages. What is truth? What is truth? And he didn't find the truth. In fact, he killed the truth. And so we want to be those who can reach beyond the limits into the limitless, and it's possible. And when you do, something suddenly happens. Now, let's talk about suddenlies for a moment. You know, I, I gave a whole series once on suddenlies. But God, suddenly, right? And suddenlies are wonderful when we can see them visibly or when they manifest in this reality. That's a suddenly that we can end up defining we can declare exactly what it is but there are suddenlies that are happening listening to me like little microbursts (laughs) in the heavenly places that are your treasure storing up that are as real there as they will become here and i'm going to show you how we take them from here to there those are suddenlies so what happens is suddenly when we understand that we can sow here on earth that we can plant here on earth, that we can have faith here on earth, it gives life to something already. Now let that soak in a minute. This is good stuff if you can grab it. You see, we think our faith hasn't really accomplished anything until we see it here on earth. We pray for a healing here, but we don't expect and understand that the healing's already happened and there's a suddenly that's already happened. We pray for our bills to be paid, but we don't understand they're already going to be paid until we see them paid here on earth. We pray for a child to come home, but we don't really give God the glory till the child comes home. But the truth of the matter is the suddenly is already happening in the heavenly places because your future is leaping the present. Your future is surrounding your present. And the reality of what you have here isn't really truth. The truth of the reality is what's being birthed already there. Now let me get you there. I'm sort of summing it up because I want to lay the thesis out and then to walk you through it. There's a scripture out of Amos 9.13 while we get it up on the screen. Let me tell you about Amos. I categorize Amos... Like the book of Job. You read the book of Job. I mean, I get saved, and the first thing I do is go read the book of Job. How stupid was that? I had nobody coaching me, nobody teaching me, so I figured coming out of the law, I needed some more, you know, flagging on my back, and I'm gonna go back in the book of Job, and boy, you get all done with that until you get to the end of it. It's pretty depressing. A great guy, a good guy, no one like him in all the earth, and all hell breaks loose. His family gets killed. He loses everything he has. His friends tell him he's wrong with God. His faith is taken to the very edge of all hope where he's himself crying out, is this real? Was I real? Could it be? And then finally God steps back in and delivers him. Well, Amos, sort of the same kind of guy. There's nine chapters in the book of Amos. He's called a minor prophet, and he's not a guy you would invite to dinner. You invite Amos to dinner, he's going to tell you everything's doomsday, everything's bad. Eight and a half chapters of bad news. This is going to happen. You're sinners. I'm mad at you. I'm going to do this to you, says your God. You're going to have this. I'm going to destroy you this way. I'm going to take this from you. I'm going to turn your enemies against you. I'm going to take your sword and stick it in you. I mean, I'm telling you, you read Amos and wow, you get done with this guy and you say, What's this what kind of prophet is this? But you get to the last five verses of Amos, and all of a sudden, something happens. He has an epiphany. And he sees into, listen to me, the days that are coming. I'm telling you the days that have come. He sees into the time that we live in now as we're preparing the way for the coming of the Lord and a shift in the kingdom to where it's no longer about the judgment, but it's about It's about the deliverance and the salvation of the body of Christ and his bride. And in these last verses, he comes up with this image of two things that don't quite fit each other. And this is what they are. He says, behold, the days are coming. Behold, the days are coming. Hey, behold, the days have come. Because first of all, they were birthed and born in Jesus Christ. Old things have passed away. All things are new. First of all, no longer are you judged as we ask the Lord to help us and pray for us and move us through it by the things that you've done or haven't done, but you're set free. It's all covered by the blood once and for all. No longer do you have to plead the blood on every part of your life. It's over with unless you don't have enough faith to accept it. You move through the Holy Spirit. So behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed, and the mountains shall drip with sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. What does that mean? How many of you have ever been on a farm, worked a farm, know about farming? Amen. How many of you are doing it right now? Amen. I sort of, I sort of wish I was with you. I miss it. My, you know, my, my farming is like right now. It, it's just reduced down to cutting grass. It's pulling weeds, growing some flowers, trying to grow a few vegetables. That's not farming, that's playing. And there's a scripture in Amos that tells us how this happened, but I want to give it to you maybe in a, a little bit more English. And in that English, it says that the one who is sowing, the one who is sowing shall be overtaken by the one who is harvesting. Now, if you know about planting seed, it doesn't come up the same day, right? I mean, you know, I deal with some farmers, I have some land that they farm, and it's our development area. And they, I'm waiting for them to plant it. And they're waiting for the right time because I want to get it back out so we could work. But I don't want to in any way whatsoever damage their crop that they work so hard for and that they rely on for their income. So I'm caught in the middle because I don't want to harvest and overtake the cedar. But when you plant the seed, and how appropriate to plant seed today, Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, the First Fruits when the first fruits are offered up of the harvest. That's what it's about, believing God for the next harvest, the good seed for the next harvest. That's what today is, tonight starts that. So it's appropriate. That's why the pomegranate is one of the, the signs and symbols of that fruit because there's so many seeds in it, within it. It's one fruit with a whole bunch of seeds that you can eat and receive the blessing of right away before it grows another pomegranate. You can sort of overtake the seed with the harvest and eat it. So you plant the seed. And in this instance with Amos, who was a farmer. Amos was a farmer. He was a dismal guy. You know, he was not really anointed and appointed to be a prophet, but he came up at a time in judgment with those around him. And Jeremiah was one, they sort of flip-flopped and put a lot of bad stuff on Israel and the people. But all of a sudden, he comes up with this image. It doesn't make sense that you can plant in the ground and you don't have to wait for the seasons and the rain. You're going to be able to harvest what you plant as fast as you plant it. And it's going to actually overtake the planter Now, how do you harvest what the planter hasn't yet planted unless it's already planted? Oh, pastor's not so crazy. How can you overtake a seed and a fruit that hasn't had its realistic time on earth to grow? How can you overcome debt that doesn't have seven or 10 years to pay and the interest can't catch up? How do you overcome a stage four cancer when science tells you there's no hope? How do you overcome a broken relationship, a broken child, unless the truth is somewhere else and it's already done? And the harvester, the reaper, overtakes the plowman, the sower, plowing away, and all of a sudden, you're just overwhelmed and surrounded by the answers, the blessings, the suddenlies. Are you getting it? Father, let thy kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Insert with me, now. Now. I'm going back to the future and I look much better than I look right now. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe Amos had something. Maybe he didn't die a a grumpy old grouchy guy. Maybe he was holding on to the last five things that he wrote and declared to the people of Israel. Behold, this all bad stuff is going to happen to you, but maybe he needed to hear that message because he was sunk in depression. Who wants to be the one that tells people they're going to die, that their own swords are going to cut them up, that their enemies are going to rape and pollute them? That's everything he said. They're going to take everything you have. All of a sudden, he gets a good word. And it's a strange word. And in it, it, we begin to understand a little bit more from that old prophet about the mind of eternity and the mind of Christ. Now, I want to work a little bit on this. One of the scriptures that we've relied upon as we've moved with the favor of God and which is foundational for this ministry. I think many of you know you've heard me preach it many times. If it's kingdom, I jump in. If it's not, I jump out. I try to jump out of non-kingdom requests gracefully, but I get out. If it's kingdom, I'm in. If I sense and discern and know that somebody is asking me to participate or invest with them in something that's the kingdom of God, I say, here I am. And that's what I teach and preach, wherever anyone will listen. Because Matthew 6.32, let's look at it a moment. This is very important. Matthew 6.32. Typically, I just say it, but I want it to soak into you. 6.32 632 and 633, please. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. He knows what you need. He knows that you're sowing. He knows that you're trying. He knows that you're working at things. But there's another step to it, and this is that step. But seek first. Say first, first. not secondary. Don't make it another option. Don't make it a safety net. Don't make the kingdom of God something you do otherwise. Don't make the kingdom of God something you do in a new religion on Sundays only. Don't make the kingdom of God something you do when you're not going to be embarrassed in public. Don't make the kingdom of God something you hold back from your children. Don't make the kingdom of God something that becomes otherwise, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You can't seek his righteousness unless you seek his kingdom. But once you seek his kingdom, you can seek his righteousness. Paul said, we are cloaked in his righteousness. He says we wear a cloak. You know what the cloak is? It's your mantle. That's why when somebody's trying to say they're waiting for you, got a mantle. Everybody has a mantle. If you've been made the righteousness in Christ Jesus, you're wearing a mantle of righteousness. And that's that white robe that we read about in Revelation. In Revelation, it's all these people with white robes clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ so that you can be at the throne room of the Father as a daughter and a son and a child of the living God. You have a robe. You have a mantle. Seek first the kingdom of God and his mantle upon you. You can't find your mantle unless you seek the kingdom. Don't look for me to take a coat off and be a showboat and throw my jacket on you and say, here's my mantle. And the next day you're out sinning like hell. You see, we've, we've tried to sensationalize the things of God that need to be spiritualized. <laughs> sensationalize them on earth isn't going to do anything. Showboating the Spirit does nothing. What does something is when you seek the kingdom of God from your own heart in the spirit of God, walking quietly, walking humbly, showing when you must do whatever you must do, seek first the kingdom of God. And then say, Father, let thy kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. What right do we have to ask him for his kingdom to come and to let it fall into the hands of sin? Is that justice? Is that what we expect a good holy God to do? We go to him seeking righteousness. The good news is we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, right? He was made sin who knew no sin that you are made that righteousness. You've already been washed in the blood. The blood's done at one time. You were washed in the blood when he went into the hell, paid his price and brought that blood up to the Father. That wasn't just for that moment. That was eternal through the Spirit of God. And it had your name in it. It was done once and for all. Quit pleading the blood over your stuff today because you want to just go out and do it again tomorrow. Walk through the Spirit. Everything is purged by the Spirit of God. In the Spirit of God, it says in Romans, is speaking inside of you, praying inside of you, collaborating with you, co-ministering with you, joining you in a fellowship of agreement and prayer in ways you don't even know unto the Father that goes to the heavenly places. His righteousness, and then, and then, and then, the future that's for you in heaven will leap over and add unto your present reality. That's how that finishes. All these things shall be added to you. He can't add them to you unless they're already there. (laughs) You notice he didn't say, we're gonna create them new for you. He said, added to you. They're there, right? I I can't have two apples and create another one and give you three. I've got to have the third one to say, here's two. I'm giving you three. It's added to you. Come on. This is good stuff. Those blessings are added to you. They're not created for you. They're added to you. They exist already. Now in that same chapter in Matthew, earlier on, Jesus Christ talks about treasures in heaven, doesn't he? And what he says to you in the midst of all of that, He says, store up for yourselves in the heavenly places those treasures that neither moth nor dust can corrupt. Put them in heavenly places. That's your sowing. That's your sowing. Again, I'm telling you, I'm not just talking about your financial sowing. I'm talking about your sowing, seeking first the kingdom of God. Now, in in the Jewish faith, and it's not so much faith as it is rabbinical teaching, but it comes out of the law. There's an act called the mitzvah. The mitzvah is doing something good for somebody. And so at certain times, especially holy days, just like Yom Kippur, everybody's atoning. You get messages asking somebody to forgive this, to do that, to do this, and then the next day it's all gone again. Mitzvahs are done. If you go to the wall, the Western Wall in Jerusalem, just outside the gate, there's always at least one, if not two, that are selling you mitzvahs. You do something good, you give them a little offering, they bless you and you've done a mitzvah to go to the wall with. Do you remember the guy that was at the temple and hadn't walked ever? And he was outside the temple and Peter was walking down with John because Peter was poor. He didn't have a membership to the temple. John did. Today, memberships still be sold at the temple. The best seats go to the ones who can buy the memberships. And so this is nothing old, nothing new. And they're walking in and they get to the gate. To go into the temple right there at the step and there's this beggar he hasn't walked ever and somehow just before service he gets brought there and laid there and he's got his basket and the poor pitiful guy it's the way he makes a living and he's probably helping a few other people that are using his problem and he holds out his hands now Peter, who was probably just about getting totally disgusted with religion by that time, right? But he's going to the temple because that's the way of faith. They're still Jews. They're still ministering in the temple. No such thing as a church. They're going to the temple with John because John's got a membership. Peter can get in. Peter probably couldn't even get in that temple. Can you imagine the The the, the temple of Jerusalem Peter maybe was on the outskirts somewhere John and his family. They were members Somebody had sewn into that membership And they're walking through Peter looks at that poor beggar Who's looking to sell mitzvahs, huh? He's looking to sell somebody an opportunity to do something good before they go into worship they might have been serving hell all week long, but boy, you give it to that beggar, what better mitzvah could you do, that poor fellow. And so the people, psh, psh, Peter gets to him. probably broke. He said he was broke. Silver and gold, I don't have it. Hey, but what I have, I'm gonna freely give to you. I can imagine Peter, as bold as he was, I don't think he whispered. I don't think he said, "Hey, stand up and walk." Stand up. Hey! Stand up and walk in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. And this guy who was used to doing it one way and taking the money in, he didn't think about it. he was about to lose his career. He didn't think about what was going to happen afterwards. He didn't think about he was going to get thrown out of the temple and become a cult for Jesus. He didn't think about any of that. He got up and he said, my God, I can walk. He might have started walking like Frankenstein, but he could walk. And everything began to loosen up. They said, what happened to you? He said, I don't know. I couldn't walk, but now I can walk. No longer a beggar because Something was stored up in heaven. You know what I believe I can't prove this one. So I'll anecdote it according to pastor Frank You know what I believe Mike? I believe many times that beggar sitting there was tired of being a beggar I believe many times he peeked through the door notice. He wasn't in the temple. He was outside the temple He didn't deserve to be in the temple. He probably smelled a little bit he probably didn't, he, didn't, he wasn't gonna give away his money that he needed that somebody else was taken from him. He didn't buy a membership. He was an outcast. He was, he was a piece of commodity. He was a mitzvah. But I guarantee you, when that life came into those legs, I believe, sitting there at that temple gate many times, he'd say a little prayer. God, if you're real, why can't I walk? God, if you're real, why can't I do something other than this? God, if you're real, just once, I would like to walk into the temple like these rich people. Just once, I'd like to be something different than a piece of meat. How many of you relate? Hmm? Just once. Peter, (laughs) silver and gold. I don't have it. My wife's mad at me. I'm not fishing anymore. I'm out doing this thing I'm doing. We don't even know what we're doing. They tell me I'm the first pope. I don't even know what a pope is. (laughs) But he says, I ain't got that. But what I do have, I freely give. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things, the suddenlies that are, come on, that are in the heavenly places, they begin to have microbursts of faith and reality. They rain down upon your present position and miracles happen. That's who you are. That's who we are. You know why? Socialism, which is the basis of communism, is so dangerous to faith. Do you really know why? And it is, by the way. Don't let anybody tell you that the Bible calls for us to be socialists. They try. Oh, you're supposed to give to one another. Yeah, we're supposed to give to one another. We're not supposed to have the state give to one another. Because when the state gives to one another, It's not us and it's not God. It's a system of humanity. And all of a sudden we're stripped of our faith because it's no longer about God. It's about the state and humanity. It's no longer about being the ones who sow, but it's being the ones who harvest only what somebody else has sown. You see, it's it's absolutely contradictory to everything that's about God in the Bible. But they would have you have, have you believe a lie And think that something's wrong with you You don't like to give Oh, I love to give I just don't like you to give my stuff Huh? I don't know about you I hate a thief I, I hate a thief and, and I hate a thief Who says they're in God More than I hate a thief That's not in the Lord I don't know about you But I've been had by more Christians Than I've had by the world <laughs> Yeah god told me this oh boy (laughs) that's why the lord's smart don't loan money to anybody that you ever expect to get back the lord says it's like you gave it away so you know what i tell him ain't alone i'm giving it to you then i'll never be mad at you oh pastor i'm gonna see yeah 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 everybody tells me they're gonna see me don't see me you come and see me give me a kiss That way I never have to look at them and say, oh, me be money. <laughs> right? Communism. The Bolshevik Revolution, which was really started in 1905, it was a kick up against the czars, the way of the czars, because at that time, they still had that, that noble system and serfdom. It was the last holdout of serfdom. It was all done throughout europe in the 1860s and 70s it had changed but they still had it there and so that's why the revolution call said give us bread they wanted to eat they were hungry and so you had this bolshevik revolution that occurred between 1905 and finally in 1917 the czars were gone and then you had the problems that started that gave this the seed from lenin and that to, to communism and communism gave forth to the doctrine and philosophy of socialism, and here we are fighting it in this country today. It's coming under different names, beloved. It's here to rape the church. Listen to me. Don't be confused. I'm not telling you what position to take from those who are them that are giving us that garbage from Washington, but I'm telling you to understand God is not in it. Listen to me, you're not convinced. God is not in it. It's stripping the church. It's stripping faith. It's stripping the opportunity to believe God for something instead of believing an entitlement for a handout. And so we understand it's nothing old. It's nothing new. It's humanity. It's the nature of humanity to take what's not ours unless we're in the Lord and to give away somebody else's stuff. Right? I love to give. I don't like to be stolen from. Somebody steals from me, I'll forgive them, but I'm going to go find them. You don't like it too bad. I'll forgive them, but I'm going to go find them. Somebody needs something, I'll give it to you i love to give i know you love to give we have the joy in giving because we know who the lord is right we have the joy of understanding that father let those blessings from heaven come here on earth let them fall upon us lord and i want to give you a few more little jewels to take with you please you sow in the kingdom you reap in the world You reap in the world, not one fold, not five fold, not ten fold. The Lord has promises of a hundred fold here in the world. A hundred fold. During the drought, Isaac planted seed. He got a hundred fold. Everybody else got nothing. Because he planted it in fertile, super dynamic, hyperbolic, whatever you want to call it, divine soil. Because God told him to and he did it in faith. He didn't do it so he'd have the biggest harvest. He did it so he could give it for his people. And he shared it and he shared it and he shared it a hundredfold, waiting for you in your heavenly places is a hundredfold blessing for seed that is sown. And here's the good news, Jesus is so wise. You know, we, we think about the first shall be last and the last shall be first about souls only. No, 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 it's about everything. But Lord, I've been toiling in you for 40 years and you know, Frank, he just came to the Lord and you blessed him yesterday. Ah. You know why? First of all, he's a God of grace and favor. <laughs> he gives you favor when you need favor. And he gives you favor with grace that's meritless. It's not because the new Frank who just got saved did a whole bunch of things that deserved it. It's because he did a whole bunch of things that should have killed him, but God wants to show him what it means to become a citizen of heaven. And then we understand the first shall be last and the last shall be first. It might be the last one who sowed, but they're gonna get blessed first because that's the kingdom of God. And it doesn't mean that the person who's been sowing faithfully isn't going to be blessed. It just might mean they haven't counted their blessings when they were blessed. I've learned from people on their deathbeds that bless the Lord what a precious gift life is. What a precious gift it is to be able to walk, to see, to hear, to taste. What a precious gift it is to have one more day to extol the glory of God. (sighs) Do you understand, Paul? I've been to the third heaven, I've seen unspeakable things. I think he saw a lot of these things we're talking about. I think he saw more than that. I think he saw the banking system of heaven. I think he saw the honor code of heaven. I think he saw the angels of heaven. I think he saw blood-stained robe of Jesus in heaven. I think he saw his future and other futures. I think he saw so much, he says, it's unspeakable, probably for two reasons. One, I'm not allowed to tell you a number. Two, you wouldn't believe me if I did. But he said, this I will tell you, I'm betwixt two places (laughs) on the one I want to go. I wanna go to that place you won't believe what it's like. I wanna be there, I wanna be there yesterday. I want my future to catch up to my reality and take me there right now. But on the other hand, I'm so blessed to be here in this world to extol the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've got some more stuff to do, but when I'm done, But when I'm done, and I'll echo that, don't you dare cry for me. (laughs) Because I won't have a tear in my eye. Strong and then come on. Scriptural for those who are new here, Joshua extolled, he received the declaration, the assignment of Moses when he was 40 years old. Moses told him, you're going to take the people to the promised land. now he's 85. And he says, something strange. I'm as strong now as I was then. I go in and I come out because I'm doing what the Lord has told me to do. Strong and then gone. Blessings. So what about all this stuff? Going to the end in case you're interested who's laughing i'm not even gonna look sounds like clinton though sounds like clinton but i don't i'm not gonna look but i know that laugh you know what i believe i believe that those days that amos was talking about behold the day shall come the ones that isaiah was talking about i believe that the days that jesus was talking about Do you know that he talked about the same thing about the harvest? He said, why do you pray wait for the harvest like it's in four months? I tell you the harvest is now, eat now. That's what he said. You see, he began to initiate and allow that to release unto us right now. He was trying to speak to a people that didn't understand faith and vision and were unable to look beyond the limits of the reality. And he was saying to them, don't look for the harvest don't wait for it it's here now he said the fruit is here take the fruit eat the fruit multiply the fruit sow the fruit everything in the kingdom of heaven is for us to multiply the fruit and the more we give the more he gives us the more talents that we minister the more that come to us from heaven above you say but pastor really you know i mean you know somebody wrote me a check and paid my debt that wasn't god Huh, my tires, I needed tires on my car. Somebody just gave them to me. That wasn't God. I remember the first set of tires I needed. You know who gave it to me, a mafiosa? Yeah, he felt sorry for me. He brought me four tires for my old beat up, rusted out Volkswagen, 16 years old, dragging the muffler into Eastwood Mall to go to work for construction. Next day he come and he said, here boy, you need these. Gave me four tires. That was God, and I didn't even know God. But somebody, somewhere, sometime, somehow prayed for me. And somebody, somewhere, sometime, somehow said, bless the seed of my seed, bless the blood of my blood, put it up in that heavenly places and let it flow and come down as a suddenly in his life. Ha. you got a whole bunch of them waiting. Somebody give the Lord a hand. you got a whole bunch of them waiting for you. All we need to do, all we need to do is make the kingdom first. You don't even have to be good at it. Pastor, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really like to pray for people. Pray behind your back. Pastor, I, I don't really like to touch people and pray for their healing. Well, you know, bring them a puppy or, or a stuffed dog or some lasagna and get up close to them and touch them in the arm. Pray for them. Send them a note. Go to a stranger. You know, some people think it's hard to minister to a stranger. It's easier than to minister to somebody that, that's religious. Huh? It's all waiting. It's all there. It's all in the heavenly places stored up as treasures, waiting for you. Because I assure you that your salvation wasn't on your own. I assure you somebody somewhere was praying for you. I assure you somewhere in your bloodline, somebody had tears, knees that were worn out. I assure you, somebody somewhere looked at you as a young student and said, Lord, bless that person. Help them. Help them. And Jesus, he leaped out of your future. He surrounded you in your present reality. He said, come on, my child. Come on. Father, I thank you, Lord, to release us into our futures father i thank you lord that we let go of our present realities and don't make them the framework of our future but that lord we walk in that simple faith to seek your kingdom to minister what we can to do with what we have what we can do some eyes it may not be much but lord in your eyes it's a lot. Multiply that widow's might in our faith and in our heart and in our love, Lord. Let us be those who aren't moved by how much somebody can give, but, Father, by the fact that they give of their heart and what they do have of what they do have. Let us be content serving in the place and the way that you give us to serve. Be blessed, Father, through us. Let your future pour through us let us be those lord who minister our futures through us in your holy spirit in your holy spirit and to you and to you alone be all the glory O oh god forever and ever in jesus name amen give the lord a hand bless you lord